Many said, what's he going to do today? This is the first time in 72 weeks I haven't been to the book of Acts. <laughs> so let me, uh, let me start with this. For the sake of my story, for the sake of my story, my person will be named Abigail. And Abigail lived in this, in this town, and Abigail was a follower of Christ. And Abigail, she knew that a flood was coming. And she, so she prayed about this flood coming. She decided to stay in her home. And so as the floodwaters began to come across her street, she said, Lord, save me. And it wasn't too much longer after that that a Ford F-150 with 33-inch tires showed up in her neighborhood. The person got out, knocked on her door, and said, you need to come with me. Uh, the floodwaters are rising. And she said, she said, no, the Lord will save me. And so uh, the floodwaters continued to rise. And they got up to the first floor window and... Abigail was praying, Lord, save me. It wasn't too much longer a 12-foot John boat with a 9.9 Evinrude come cruising through the neighborhood, picking up whoever would get on. But Abigail said, God will save me. So the water got up, and she had to go up to the roof. And she said, Lord, save me. And it wasn't too much longer a helicopter showed up, but she waved them off saying, the Lord will save me. And the floodwaters took her and she went to heaven. And she said, Lord, you didn't answer my prayer. You didn't save me. And he said, well, I sent you an F-250. I sent you a John boat. I even sent you a helicopter. And you turned them all down. Sometimes, sometimes we're asking for the wrong thing. Sometimes we're asking in the wrong way. But God answers prayer. God answers prayer. And uh, if, you don't, if you don't think so, I'm, I don't, I'm, not a, I'm not one to usually point out a first-time guest. But I'm, point, I'm pointing out a first-time guest today. And his name is Carter. And his name is Carter. And uh, for those of you that don't know Carter's story, and there are some new folks here this morning, and I'm thankful for you, but, but I tell you that um, Carter is a miracle. Carter is an absolute miracle. God has done amazing things. And so I just wanted to point out that Carter came to church this morning, if I may. And um, so, and by the way, don't miss September 15th. I'll just say that. Don't miss September 15th. Because um, we've been having that conversation for a long time. I feel like for a long time. It's only been, what, seven weeks? Something like that, maybe eight. But anyway, uh, seven weeks. So something close. But anyhow. So on this morning following 72 weeks of Acts, turn in your Bible to Ezekiel. 
Ezekiel. We'll start, we'll start in chapter 2. We're going to end up in chapter 24. And no, I'm not going to go 2, 3, 4, all the way to 24. But um, I have to set the stage. I have to set the stage for a little bit of this. Ezekiel was a priest. Ezekiel was a priest who would become a prophet. Ezekiel was a priest, a messenger from the people to God, would become a prophet, a messenger from God to the people. And the, and the life of a prophet was not easy. The life of a messenger is not easy. And so in chapter 2, it's important, it's important to see who this prophet Ezekiel, by the way, the Babylonian captivity has begun. The Babylonian captivity has begun. And, and scripture, scripture speaks of Babylon as God's sword. Scripture speaks of Babylon as God's sword. So as we, as we, think, about, as we think about that, let me, let me um, read a little bit of chapter 2 just to get you to understand what... Ezekiel is going into, because the question we want to ask is, what could God ask of me? What could God ask of me? So let's, let's read a little bit. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 2, And he said to me, Son of man, Son of man is the reference that God is speaking to Ezekiel, Stand on your feet, and I will speak to you. Then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet, and I heard him who spoke to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. For they are impudent and stubborn children. I am sending you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. That's pretty interesting. As for them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious house. Yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns are with you and you dwell among scorpions, do not be afraid of their words or dismayed by their looks, though they are a rebellious house. You shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are rebellious. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And he's about to eat the scroll. He's about to eat the scroll. God himself is going to put the scroll in his mouth to eat. The word of God. Now... There's an interesting little piece to this at the end of chapter 3 that we must see. Starting in the 26th verse, and you heard him say, they will hear you speak. Now that's the reason I said this is kind of interesting, because there's something that you, you say, God, what could you require of me? What, what might you want me to do? What is it? What is it that might happen? Look at how it goes. Verse 26. In fact, let's start with verse 25. And you, O son of man, surely they will put ropes on you and bind you with them so that you cannot go out among them. I will make your tongue cling to the roof of your mouth 
so that you shall be mute and not be one to rebuke them, for they are a rebellious house. But when I speak with you, I will open. But when I speak with you, I will open your mouth, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, He who hears, let him hear, and he who refuses, let him refuse, for they are a rebellious house. Now, if you were to read the description of Israel, and who is Israel? Israel is God's chosen people. If you would read the description of that, if you read further in Ezekiel, you would find that they were worse than the people that were around them in God's eyes. In God's eyes, his own chosen people were that rebellious, were that obstinate, were that disobedient. And so he sends the prophet, he sends Babylon, he sends Babylon to take them into captivity. Babylon is going to do far more, far more, simply because they could at the time, and God will judge them because of that. But, but, the, point, but the point is, not only has Ezekiel been sent in this difficult time to these difficult people, to these difficult people, to deliver a difficult message from God. And by the way, in most cases, the people did not want to hear the message that the prophet was bringing. In fact, they felt like if they killed the prophet, if they killed the prophet, then they wouldn't have to hear the message. Okay? And, and so here's Ezekiel, who is now been called to be a prophet of God, called to be a prophet of God, a messenger from God, and God says, I'm going to take your tongue and I'm going to stick it to the top of your mouth. I'm going to make it so you can't talk. In other words, you will act out, you will act out what I tell you to do. And when I want to open your mouth, then your tongue will fall from the roof of your mouth and you will be able to speak. And there are many, many times, there are many, many times that that's going to happen. And, 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 and folks, again, when we, when we think about what could God call us to, what could God ask of us? Because in Ezekiel's life, in Ezekiel's life, he was serving, he was serving God. He was serving God as a priest. Some would say, some would say, you know, that's a good calling. That's a good thing to be doing. But what happens when God steps up his call? What happens when God asks more of us than we believe he should? So he calls Ezekiel to go to, an, to go to a stubborn, rebellious people. Can you get a picture of that? Can you get a picture of that? Okay, I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm going to let you mull around that a little bit of what, of what a rebellious, of what a rebellious, obstinate, disobedient people look like. Because keep in mind who the Israelites were. Okay, keep in mind who they were. Okay, he's not talking about the Gentiles. He's not talking about the Samaritans. He's not talking about, he's not talking about the people who, who uh, involved themselves in pagan worship and all of those kind of things, is he? Not so much. But he said, but he said that my own, my, my own people, Israel, are worse than those around us, than those that surround us. So, so Ezekiel, not only going, that's where he's got to go. That's his people group. That's his people group. Ezekiel, here's your call. Here's your call. You're going, th these are the folks. These are the folks you're going to hang out with. You know, he were, he, I, I, think I, I think I saw a scorpion in there somewhere. I think I saw, 
I think I saw words describing them as, as pretty difficult folk. Okay, and then, and then I'm going to take your voice away from you. I'm going to make you mute, except when I want to speak through you. When I want to speak through you, then you'll be able to speak. Okay, so, so you sit there and you say, God, what more, what more could you want? What more, what more could you expect of me? Music to my ears, in case you wonder. But anyway, and uh, so... Because, again, as we, as we make this journey, as we make this journey, and there are some, there might be some in here this morning that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And they're going to hear this, they're going to hear this and say, why would I do that? Why, why would I give my life? Why would I give my life to God? Why would I give my life to God? And I, and, and I tell you this, and I tell you this, there is... And, and, and Josh, I'm going to use a word that you used last night. There is no safer place that we could ever be than in the hands of a loving God, than in the hands of, a, of an almighty God, an all-powerful God, a God that can take my tongue and stick it to the roof of my mouth, a God that can, a God that can send me but, and, doesn't, and doesn't send me alone, and doesn't send me alone. There is, there is, no, there is no better place for us to be. There was a, there was a missionary. There was a missionary named Adoniram Judson. Adoniram Judson. And he, and, and he, he, he was of the, he was of the, um, he was of the time in the group of William Carey and, and um, he was wanting to get married. And oh, by the way, congratulations you two. He was, he was wanting to get married, and he was a traditional kind of fellow, and so he wanted to ask, he wanted to ask Anne's father. And, you, you know, now, now what's funny, what's funny is it got recorded, because it's actually in someone's book. It's actually in someone's book, and this is reprinted from that. So let, let me read the, let me read what, because, and again, the question that we're trying to answer is, what could God ask of me? What could God ask? This is the letter that Adoniram wrote to Anne's father. I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring, to see her no more in this world, whether you can consent to her departure and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of missionary life, whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death? Can you consent to all of this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you, for the sake of perishing immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and the glory of God? Can you consent to all of this in hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory? with the crown of righteousness brightened, with the acclamations of praise, which shall re redound to her Savior from heaven, heathen saved, through her means from eternal woe and despair. All right, dads with daughters. That's the letter that, Anne, that Anne's father got from him. So let me, let me, let me tell you how it kind of went. 
Gratefully, Anne's dad said yes. The couple was married. And a year later, they set sail. Anne's dad would never see his daughter or son-in-law again. In fact, Anne would lose her life sharing the gospel with people who had never heard the good news of Jesus Christ. As a result of the Judson service, today there are nearly 4,000 Baptist churches with more than a half million followers of Christ in the heart of Buddhist Burma, Miramar. What could God ask? What could God ask? And are we, are we ready? Are we ready for Him to ask? Ezekiel was sent to a hard people, God's people. Ezekiel was sent there, is sent there and told, there will be times that you will act out what I tell you, and there will be other times that you will speak what I tell you. And don't you, and don't you become like them. See the, danger, see, the danger of going into lostness, the danger of attempting to push back darkness, and I'm going to say this again, the danger of research sometimes is we've got to be well-grounded. We've got to be well-grounded when we go there. We've got to be well-grounded when we go there so that we don't end up, so that we don't end up in that. And when I say in that, of that, and that become, but, but turn to 24. Turn to Ezekiel 24, because, because as, if we thought, as if we thought all of that was enough, as if we thought every bit of that was enough, look at this piece. Starting in verse 15. Also the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, behold... I take away from you the desire of your eyes with one stroke. Yet you shall neither mourn nor weep, nor shall your tears run down. Sigh in silence. Make no mourning for the dead. Bind your turban on your head and put your sandals on your feet. Do not cover your lips and do not eat man's bread of sorrow. So I spoke to the people in the morning, and at evening my wife died. And the next morning, I did as I was commanded. And the people said to me, Will you not tell us what these things signify to us, that you behave so? Then I answered them, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Speak to the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will profane my sanctuary, your arrogant boast, the desire of your eyes, the, the delight of your soul, and your sons and daughters whom you've left behind shall fall by the sword. And you shall do as I have done. You shall not cover your lips nor eat man's bread of sorrow. Your turbans shall be on your heads and your sandals on your feet. You shall neither mourn nor weep, but you shall pine away in your iniquities and mourn with one another. Thus Ezekiel is a sign to you according to all that he has done you shall do. And when this comes, you shall know that I am the Lord and you son of man. It will not be in the day when I take from them their stronghold, their joy, and their glory, the desire of their eyes, that and that on which they set their minds, their sons and their daughters, that on that day one who escapes will come to you to let you hear it with your ears. On that day your mouth will be opened to him who has escaped. You shall speak and no longer be mute. 
Thus you will be assigned to them, and they shall know that I am the Lord. That's pretty heavy. That's pretty heavy of, of what the prophet, of what the prophet was asked. And what and what God chose to do. And what God chose to do. And and we and, and you know what? How, how long have we been saying God is good? God is good. And, and, and you know what? God is good in the midst of every bit of this. God is greater than every bit of this. God is serious. God is serious about what he is telling us. And in this case, and this is a message from a prophet to the nation of Israel. And we say, well, I'm not an Israelite. I'll just tell you, graft it in. You graft it in. You're grafted into that, to that inheritance. You're grafted in to all of that. You know, we can, we can say, wow, I'm glad I'm not like them. I'm glad I'm not that people. I'm glad I wasn't here in that day. But what could God ask? What could God ask of us? What could God ask of us? And the question is, are we ready for it? Are we ready for what God asks? Are we ready for what he asks? And are we willing to go where he sends us? Are we willing to do what he calls us to do? Because, because to be honest with you, God is God. I am not. I don't know what that could look like. I don't know what that could be. So, you know, I took and I, I, took and I wrote down. You got what I'm saying. Put down a few things. Of just, of just what's happened in my time of ministry. Just a few things. They're in no order. So if don't try to follow this chronologically. You'll be very confused if you do. But these are just some things. I wrote down my craziest day in ministry. My craziest day in ministry was the day that Tom and Bonnie got married. The day that Tom and Bonnie got married. Because I did their wedding... And then I went and got in a plane at Chesterfield Airport in 30 knot winds and flew to Charleston, West Virginia. And I won't tell you how all that went, but you can, you can imagine. And I made it, and I made it to the other wedding. And I made it to the craziest day in ministry. Happiest day in ministry. All the baptisms and child dedications that I've had the privilege to perform. Special moments to me personally. Sean's ordination. Watching Sean baptize Jace, performing the wedding of my son and daughter-in-law, getting to dedicate my grandchildren. Toughest day in ministry. You realize I was standing in this pulpit the day that my father-in-law had a stroke in West Virginia. And, and things began to happen that day. Things began to happen. My wife, somebody came and got my wife and took her out. And then I looked through the glass and I could see a car that I recognized, but I said, they shouldn't be here right this moment. And it was, and then the next thing you know, one of, one of my leaders walks down this aisle and tells me, Pastor Pete, you're, and I'm preaching. I'm preaching. And he walks up and he stands right here and he says, Pastor Pete, your father-in-law just had a major stroke and he's being flown to Roanoke and so on. And then I had to step back over here and finish the message. Only day that the church was on TV. After a tropical storm, storm and we partnered with Chesterfield County and American Red Cross. Funniest moment of ministry, Ron's ice cream. <laughs> Saddest moments in ministry, 
Bill Clark's death on a Sunday night. Charity's accident on a Sunday night. Ruth Clark's sudden death. Moment when I knew that other leaders had my back. Donnie's first night on leadership team. Most humbling day in ministry, the first time that I walked the streets of Deepahani with Isaac and Nate. First wedding, firefighter Dale Fields and Sandra. First funeral, a 17-year-old accident victim. Day of ministry when I thought I would never be seen again. Senegal after a U-turn over the Atlantic. First mission trip after becoming pastor, Williamsburg. Defining moment in evangelism, 75-year-old man walked away in tears, rejecting Christ as he went in to take care of his dying wife. Most controversial time in ministry, when I served on a deacon board where half of us stood with the pastor and the other half stood against the pastor. Reason for the controversy? Church discipline against a church member. Defining moment in ministry, launch of Mission Community Church. Most memorable statement. Caleb Fulton telling me that, this was the, that that was the best piece of bread and cup of juice that he had ever tasted after his first Lord's Supper. Best church picnic, Tom and Bonnie's house. Wisest decision in ministry, stay a firefighter until I retired. Highest altitude in ministry, 32,000 feet. Craziest mission moment, arriving in Ethiopia on their Christmas day after having missed our connecting flight. I hope to never do that again. Highest altitude in ministry with feet on the ground, 11,500 feet in the Andes Mountains of South America. Closest elephant in ministry, three feet. Miraculous moment in ministry, Carter. Family that has been with us since June 5th, 2005, Wendy and Isaac. Moment when I knew that the church had embraced technology was when the first drop-down screen broke, and they told me, you better get another one before Sunday. And a bittersweet moment in ministry was holding Virginia's hand as she took her final breath this side of heaven. Folks, I can't tell you what your ministry is going to look like. I can't tell you what your life's going to look like. But I tell you this, with God, with God, I, I want to be where God wants me to be. And, and I want to be, I, I want to, I want to know, I, I want to know what I need to know to go where I have to go. And to do whatever that is. Whatever that is. And, and I pray that you, I pray that you feel the same way. I pray if you know Christ, if you know Christ, you know, I can't tell you what's around the next turn. I can't tell you how, how that thing is going to go. You know, you know, Jan Davis, we've been praying for her and talking about her. Jan, Jan Davis, it's, it's all come back stage four. It's all come back stage four. Okay? And, and, that that they said could never happen, that, the, that that they said could never happen. In other words, in other words, the brain tumor is where it started and it went to the other organs. See, they said, no, no, can't, that, that can't happen. Well, guess what they figured out? It started in her brain and it went to the other organs. And 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 so we and, and, and so we don't know, we don't know what we could be called to do. We don't know what we could be called to deal with in, in the course, because if we believe that God is sovereign, if we believe that God is a providential God, if we believe that God is in control of all things, then what comes in our lives, God knows about. What comes in our lives, God knows about before we know about it. 
God knows what is coming. God knows, God knows why would we not want to be centered in his will? Why would we not want to? And, and, and you might say, you might say, but why would he, why would he do these things? Because God is going to carry out his will. He's going to carry out his purpose. He's going to carry out his plan. God is going to carry it out. When I hear things like, if, if the people won't, then the stones will. When I hear things like that, God is able to do things far, far beyond what we could ever imagine, what we could ever think. But in the course, in the course of it, would we not would we not want to be centered in His will, centered in His plan, centered in what, centered in what he, has, he has for us? You know, I think, about, I think about the lives of these prophets. I think, about the lives, I think about the lives of missionaries, of missionaries that have laid it all down, have laid everything down to leave, to leave this to go wherever. The Floras just went back to Lesotho. The Floras just went back. And, and you know what? And you, and you know what? They were, glad, they were happy to be home with, with friends and family. They were happy to be home with them. But they were looking forward to the opportunity to go back to Lesotho. Ryan and Laura Wolf just went back to their mission field in Turkey. They just went back after being home for the entire summer, after, after seeing many different people, and they said there were many that we didn't get to see, and, but praise the Lord for the memories that we made there, but we are back where God has sent us. And, and so, they leave, so they leave this, so they leave this, and they go to that, whatever that is. And, and, the, question, and the question is, and the question is, I look forward to the day, I look forward to the day when someone in our congregation rises up and says, I believe that the Lord is calling me to this mission field, is calling me to this place. And, and we talked about, we talked in Sunday school this morning that the, where that starts is that starts in us praying. That starts in us praying about it and talking about it. So that, so that when, people are, when people are thinking about what is it that God is calling me to do? What is it that God wants me to do? And I tell you, the way we raise our children, the way we raise our grandchildren, the way we raise, the way we raise children will have a lot to do with the choices that they will make when they're in that place. And oh, by the way, you know, you might say, well, hey, I'm, huh, okay. I'm, I'm settled in a, I'm settled in a job, or I'm 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 retired, or I'm this, or I'm that, and you and you sit there and you and you go, God could God could never call me to go to those places, and that's not true, that's not true. There is a place, there is a place, for anyone who is willing to accept Jesus' call. To set to accept the call, there is a place where you could go. There is a place where you could serve. But the question is, what is it that God could call us to do? And will we be ready? And will we be ready when he does that? Or will we run from him just as hard and fast as we can? Will we run from him because we don't want that? 
We don't want that thing. We don't want that, we, we don't want that illness. We don't, we don't want that, we, we, whatever that thing is. And it could, be, it could be a good thing, it could be a bad thing, it could be whatever kind of thing. But, but you know what? If God is in control, if God is in control, then he's going to see us through it. He's going to see us through every bit of it. He's going to take us, he's going to take us where we need to go. I, I don't think, I don't think that Ezekiel had the easiest of ministries. I don't think Jeremiah had an easy ministry. I don't think that that was ever what this was about. Jesus said that he suffered, and we should not be surprised when we suffer. We should not be surprised when we go through difficult things. We should not be surprised, but what we, need to, what we need to realize is, God, what's the purpose? What's the reason I'm going through this thing? What's the reason for this time? What, is, what are you doing? Jerry told me about a neighbor, a neighbor who had a debilitating stroke. And is she still alive now, or did she pass? She has passed. She has passed. And um, in her 50s. In her 50s, and, and they were not ready for this. This was sudden. This was a sudden, this was a sudden event where they, they just took her off of life support and, and she passed. And the, and, and the husband is, is in many ways, the husband is floundering. He is lost. He is, and when I say lost, I'm not talking, I don't know his, I don't know his faith right this moment. Um, Jerry probably knows more about that than me, but the, but the thing I'm talking about, lost without his wife. You got that? You got what that looks like? Okay. 35, Lost 35 years of marriage. And, you know, and she took care of a, she took care of a, I, I could, I, you know, I can, I can identify with this guy more than he knows, but she took care of a lot of things for their household. Took care of a lot of things for their household and so on. And now all of a sudden she's gone. And he's got to, and, and, and you know something again, we, and, and I'm not, I'm not attaching, don't, don't think this. I'm not attaching what I just shared about Ezekiel and his wife to what happened to this man and his wife. I'm not, I'm not attaching those things. I'm just simply saying we don't know. We don't know what lies around our corners. We don't know what we could be called to. We don't know what it is, but God is in control. God is in control. And, and if we are where we're supposed to be, if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, because the one thing we gotta, we got to fight against, what did he tell Ezekiel there in the beginning? What did he tell him right there when he first started? He said, okay, this is the type of people you're going to. Don't you become like them. Don't you become one of them. Because, you know, it's easy, it's easy to do that. It's easy to fall into that. We've got to, we've got to be well-grounded We've got to be well-grounded in, in who we are, in whose we are. We cannot miss opportunities. We cannot miss opportunities of sharing the gospel. We cannot miss those opportunities of sharing the gospel with people. Because, again, we don't know. We don't know what lies around that next corner. But praise God, he's with us every step of the way. He's with us every step of the way. He's promised us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you wherever you go. 
ministry has been a ministry has been a uh, a wild ride at times. Has been a wild ride at times, but I have to say I have to say I'm thankful. I'm thankful for where I am, and I thank I'm thankful for what God is doing in the in the course of it all. Let's pray, dear most precious heavenly Father, Lord. We love, honor, praise you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your prophets. Thank you for, um, as difficult of a people as Israel was, and maybe you would say still are, but Lord, but Lord, we, by your grace and your grace alone have we been saved. Lord, um, Lord, you are the only reason. You are the only reason we have been made right with God the Father. And Lord, I, I, just, I just pray, I just pray that whatever comes in our life, whatever comes in our life, Lord, that, that, we, would, that we would seek after you, that we, would, that we would desire to know your will, that we would desire to know what it is that you want us to do. Lord, I remember, I remember breaking my shoulder. And I remember laying on the ground. And Lord, I remember asking you that Lord, whatever this is about, whatever it is that you want me to see, whatever it is that you want me to do, Lord, don't let me miss a single moment of it. And then the journey began. And Lord, I got, to see, I got to see great things in the midst of that. Had to give up a lot of things. But Lord, in the midst of it all, in the midst of it all, you showed, you showed us so many great things. And Lord, um, so Lord, thank you that you are good. Good when life is scary. Good when life is unfair. Good when life changes. Good when life is hard. You are good when life is good. And you are the only good one. So Lord, um, so Lord, I just give you the praise. I give you the honor. I give you the glory. Thank you for, thank you for the words written down in Ezekiel's book. Lord, that we can, that we can learn some things from it. And Lord, I do pray for the day when you raise up a missionary out of this place. Lord, I raise up, I I lift up the day, I lift up the time when, Lord, you will, when you will prick someone's heart and they will lay it all down and they will lay it all down. They will leave every comfort of this world to go to that world. And Lord, we give you the praise, the honor, the glory for all that you are doing. All this you most precious holy name. Amen. Let's stand together. Whatever the Lord has said to you this morning, maybe you're here and you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior. There's plenty of people here to talk to you. Plenty of people here to talk to you about that. Um, maybe you want to join ranks with us this morning. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you have felt the call of God. Maybe you have sensed that God has been calling you to something greater. Whatever 
whatever it is, I just pray that you would do business with God. And if there's any way that any of us can help you in that journey, we're here to do that.